0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your host, Miss Sasha. And with Real Reading Talk, I discuss the systemic issues that are at the very core, very foundation, with no sugar coating, no chaser, about why there are low levels of literacy in the Black community and the ways in which we can combat these issues together. I welcome you if this is your first time. I hope that you gain much benefit from this episode. And again, this show is about empowerment. We can talk about uh, the problems, the issues, but if we do not have solutions and give practical solutions in terms of why we are dealing with these low levels of literacy, then it's all it is. is just pontification. It's just talk. And we definitely know we can do that. In the black community, we can talk about stuff, which is good. We need talking, right? But we need some practical solutions. We need ways in which we can solve our own problems ourselves. And so that's what I'm hoping to help provide for you all today. Now, this is episode 23. And this episode, I titled this episode, y'all, Stay Reading Ready So You Don't Have to Get Reading Ready. I repeat, stay reading ready so you don't have to get reading ready. Well, what does that mean? Well, for a lot of us, we've heard uh, the saying, stay ready so that you don't have to get ready. And all that means, in a nutshell, is always be in the mindset of preparation. Always be in that mindset of I don't have to hurry up and scramble and and always be reactionary. It's about being proactive. It's about already being prepared, right? And that's something that we have to hold ourselves accountable uh, in do, uh, to doing as Black people because this is who I'm primarily speaking to because we are the ones when it comes to Uh, The the low levels of literacy when it comes to our children not really being enthused about reading or looking at reading as some arduous, difficult job that's always equated with, I have to pass a test, I got to get an A and all of that. And truth be told, it's not just really in the black community when it comes to that mindset, because you you have an overall attitude like that, especially here in America, period. You know, truth be told amongst white folks, they deal with that issue as well. But of course the difference is in the black community, since we only make up, you know, the numbers fluctuate 13%, 14%, whatever the number it is, you know, uh, in terms of the population of people here in America, when we get hit with things like low levels of literacy and all of that it affects us more so because we are a smaller population so it's like you know we're dealing with these issues of of course you got the low levels of literacy then you got you know the the poverty and you know all of these different negatives it's like we're affected by this but it's more so on a grand scale because we are a smaller population so, again, like I said, I titled this episode, Stay Reading Ready So You Don't Have to Get Reading Ready. And what prompted me to do this particular episode is because one of the things that I noticed, for those of you who do not know and I've mentioned before, I'm a reading tutor from pre-K through fourth grade, and I'm also a reading motivator, all right? That's a term that uh, someone that I had worked with um, on, a, on some reading events uh, some years ago and we were trying to think of a good term for me because uh, one of the things that I've been blessed to do is uh, been able to make books come to life, plain and simple. And that just goes into my acting background that I have. And so when I would read these books, the kids would be enthused, the adults would be enthused. And so uh make a long story short, it's like I said, someone I was working with. Uh, we were talking we were like, man, what name can we give you? Oh man, motivator there. You have it. The reading motivator. So I helped to motivate kids. And again, as well as adults get into reading. And, uh, one of the things that I found when I am tutoring my students and I'm talking about second and third graders and sometimes fourth graders as well, is that they will struggle a lot with connecting those letters to the sounds of the letters So we would have to work a lot on that. And also lack of vocabulary. They would know what they were trying to say. They know what they wanted to say, but a lot of times it was hard for them to uh, grasp what words uh, to articulate what it is that they were trying to convey. And really a big part of that has to do with, and what I'm about to go into uh, right now is... Um, some three easy ways in which we can help get our children as well as ourselves stay reading ready so we don't have to get reading ready. And one of those things that we lack is, or that, excuse me, that I can tell that my, my students will lack rather, is getting read aloud too. Okay? And one of the things we got to understand is that we, we cannot underestimate the basics. And a lot of times we are looking for these big grandiose fixes when it comes to our problems. We think it's just something that, oh man, you know, we got to take a whole bunch of classes and, you know, watch a whole bunch of videos on. And I'm telling y'all straight up, real reading talk. Something as simple as implementing reading aloud to your child for at least 30 minutes a day. Doing that, I'm telling you, it will significantly change not only your child's attitude when it comes to reading, but also you will start to see their vocabulary get better. You will also start to see them being able to pronounce those words a lot better. And then when they're able to hear those words, pronounce those words, then when it starts getting into writing, then you'll see their writing improve. So all of it is like a domino effect of good. So I'm telling you guys, when you start doing the simple things and not try to, you know, think that you got to go and do something and and you know I got to go find this five hundred dollar reading um, uh, camp or something like that to get my child enrolled in, you know, and that's what's gonna help them. And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, you could spend four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, you could do all of that, you can get them enrolled in this and that, but. If you're not doing the simple things consistently, like I said, like reading aloud to your child every day, all of that stuff is not going to matter. Trust and believe. And so now I just want and also to one of the things that I wanted to um, also make mention of is that, again, in terms of that mindset. And um, one of the one of the things that I like to talk about is our history as black people when it comes to literacy. And I know I bring up a lot in terms of the history when it comes to Timbuktu. I've talked about the libraries there. I've talked about also the library in uh, Cordoba in Spain and all of that. But I did want to highlight something uh, that I read in an article about Timbuktu. And one of the things that I read is that they were talking about the exports and imports of Timbuktu. And one of the things that they mentioned in there was that their most famous things that they were known for having imported, meaning being brought into their country, was books. Books. And that's something these are these little uh tidbits of knowledge, these things are crucial. Our children should know that. You know, because you you go from we, we go from that history to having uh, the, the mindset of literacy being something that's considered value, valuable, okay? You're talking about more valuable than gold because their most famous export was gold, okay? <laughs> yes, but they really, really was about that knowledge about those books and people knew that. This is something that was known about our African ancestors when it came and when when it came to reading. But then. Yes, again, this is Miss Sasha and this is Real Reading Talk. And again, we talk about the real issues that are at the very foundation, the very core as to why there are low levels of literacy in the black community. And I thank you all for joining me again. This is episode 23. And I was talking about, uh, you know, the history when it comes to our ancestors, our African ancestors, when it comes to literacy. And when I had read in that article about the import, the biggest import into uh, Timbuktu, all right, uh, which was um, a part of Mali, which Mansa Musa, who is considered uh, the richest man, even, even still to this day, compared to the, the, the Jeff Bezos and uh, Bill Gates and all of that. An African man, okay, richest man. All right. Our children need to know this. And that is very important because number one, that puts in their minds that they don't always have to equate wealth with being white. And also again, going back to the biggest import that Timbuktu would have, which are books, which was books at the time. Our children need to know that. Why? Because the mindset needs to be, uh, education and reading should be equated with something that black people have done and continuously do. Because you have some black kids who think that, okay, if you are reading, you're trying to be educated, unfortunately, still in 2021, you have black kids who have the mindset of, well, that's something that somebody who's white or Asian, that's something that they do or people who have money. And it's like, no. And that's why it's important for us to know that history. And as the old saying goes, when you know better, the goal is to do better. But now the mentality is there was an old saying back in the day. Um, I'm not for sure when that saying, uh, when it was created, but it said that if you do not want a black person to know something, then you hide it in a book, you put it in a book. Now, juxtaposed to what I just told you about our African ancestors, their biggest import in Timbuktu was books. And you have African, uh, our African scholars, you have folks from all over the globe who knew about the scholars in Timbuktu. And they would be rushing, trying to get to Africa to learn under the feet of the scholars in Africa. And then... You talk about centuries later, it was said, oh, if you want to hide something from a black person, then you put it in a book. That's a problem. But again, in order for us to be able to understand how to fix a problem, we have to know where the problem began. And so that's why, again, like I said, for those of you, this is your first time tuning in and real reading talk. This is why I created this podcast. This is for us. This is for us to be able to not just talk about it, but make practical changes, solutions. And so that's what I'm here to give y'all today. Just three of them, y'all. Just three. That's all we need to start off with. Trust and believe. I'm telling you, and I'm not saying this based off of just what I've heard other people say. I'm talking about what I've seen in my own house with my own children, all right. And so the three things that I'm going to tell you that you can do, and I'm quite sure that y'all have heard these things before. You may have heard one of them to all three of them, but I'm telling you when we, again, when we know better, we do better. And when I, I can't stress enough how important these things are. And so the first thing is reading aloud to your children, making sure that you make that a priority Just like how we make priorities when it comes to uh, getting, you know, uh, certain things that we may like, you know, you know how it is when you want to reward yourself and you had a hard day or whatever you say, man, I know I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have my favorite cup or whatever it is that you drink (laughs) because you worked hard. You earned it. All of that. You make sure you make that a priority or you make sure you make a priority when you have to go and you uh go get your hair done or you know for for the guys they say, you know what, I wanna make sure, you know, that I make a priority, go kick it with my boys, or whatever the case may be. And those things, and that's fine. I'm not this is this is not the podcast where I'm trying to uh condemn somebody for whatever it is that they do for their, you know, pleasure. Of course, as long as it ain't something where it's harming somebody else. All right. Um but what I am gonna say is that we have to make sure that we Put in our priority list things that are going to be beneficial for us for the long haul the long term especially when it comes to our children so we have to make sure that we are doing things like implementing reading aloud to our children daily and if you can't as the adult then you can have their siblings or of course we got youtube now y'all can please go subscribe to my youtube channel reading is freedom and let me and my kids um i've got a plethora of read alouds uploaded on my channel and go ahead and let somebody else read to your children but just make sure that you implement that into your daily schedule number two talking to your children having conversations with your children these are things in which Again, what I'm telling you, they don't cost a thing and they are valuable. They are crucial. There was this study that was done in the 90s. Um, A lot of educators go to this particular study by Hart and Risley, and it was done in the 90s. And basically what it said is that in a nutshell, that children who came from higher socioeconomic backgrounds, that they had uh, many more uh, words that they knew entering into kindergarten. Um, as opposed to those children who come from lower income backgrounds. So that's where you hear you have a lot of educators who will say the 30 million word gap. You hear that a lot. Well, there was again, like I said, it was a study done in the 90s that talks about that. And the first thing that comes to my mind is so you telling me that somebody who has money, somebody who is uh, supposedly more well off, is this why these children um, no more words? Well, no. And even in a study, one of the things that they found is that these children had with their parents something they called extra talk. And that extra talk is when you're having that conversation, those conversations with your children outside of what they call business talk. Business talk was more a lot of directions. Go do your homework, make sure that you clean off the table, go get dressed for bed, make up your bed, make sure you brush your teeth. A lot of just orders, commands, directives, right? But those parents who had what they call the extra talk when they had those conversations with their children. So more than just, so go beyond when you ask them because a lot, I think a lot of us parents, we know to ask the typical question how was your day at school? All right. But we need to go a little further than that. So what was something that you learned today that you liked? Take it a little further, right? And what you're doing is you're getting them to think a little deeper about what happened in their day. And it's showing them also that yes you know my parents they want to know a little more about what i'm doing even though sometimes you know with kids they may get a little fresh oh god here we go you know they want to ask me what was going on in my school day they may not feel like talking but even if they may not feel like delving into it at that time they may decide, like maybe you know, when y'all after y'all get home and you all are about to get ready to eat dinner, or something something may trigger in their mind. Oh yeah, I remember, you know, Miss Abdullah, we went over this, or you know, uh, Miss Ebony, we went over that, you know, or Mr. You know, Mr. Rodney, we went over this. You know, it'll trigger something, it'll make them think about something that they did during their day. So allow them to talk about it. Engage with them. Have those conversations. So the first thing that I said was making sure you read aloud. The second thing, making sure you have that, what they call extra talk. Having those conversations, engaging with them. All right? So that there is going to help them to uh, keep trying to activate their prior knowledge. That's another reading term. Basically, all all that means in a nutshell is that it just goes back into whatever experiences that they've had. And that's why it's important to expose your children to a lot of things, uh, making sure that they're having a lot of experiences because these are things that is going to build those reading skills. And we may not think about it at the time, but you will see as they get older, you'll start seeing when you talk to them, you'll see their vocabulary increase with different things. You'll see their understanding, uh, begin to develop comprehension, you know, begin to increase All of those different things. That's what you begin to see. And then the last thing is taking trips to the library. I mean, again, something as simple as going to the library, which is free, as they call the People's University. All right. You can go there, take out books together. If you don't go weekly, at least try to go every two weeks. And I'm telling you, these types of things... You will start to see the changes when it comes to your children's mindset when it comes to literacy. And again, the goal is not just just like with this podcast. It's not just about our children when it comes to literacy. It's about us as adults as well, because I remember reading about um, it was a a study that they had did. It was a um, yeah, like a survey or something they had did this was like a few years ago and they were asking random people you know what was the last book that you read you know and you have people like okay i haven't read a book in a year or two and this wasn't just black people they were asking randomly you talking about black folks white folks you know asking so like i said that whole this whole aspect of literacy is really not just relegated to the black community but again as we know and as the old saying goes when uh, white folks when they get the cold black folks get pneumonia period you know all anything negative that happens in society black folks always get hit the hardest and so that is why I make it clear that this podcast is dedicated to empowering black people when it comes to literacy alright so just doing a recap again number one Um, Is reading aloud to your children for at least 30 minutes a day. Number two, talking to your children, having conversations with your children. And number three, taking trips to the library. If you can't go every week, go once every two weeks. All right. So with that being said, I'm going to end now this episode 23 of making sure that we are staying reading ready so that we don't have to get reading ready. Okay, all right, and the quote that I'm going to leave you all with is by our dear brother, Marcus Garvey. And he said, with confidence, you have won before you have started. All right, everybody, you take care and remember to please keep reading and keep believing that we can be better when it comes to our reading. All right. And make sure that you continue to read for at least 30 minutes a day. Reading is freedom, y'all. Peace. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your gracious host, Miss Sasha. And with Real Reading Talk, I discuss the real systemic issues that. Plague the black community when it comes to low levels of literacy. All right. And not only do I discuss these issues, I also talk about ways in which we can combat these issues together. And with this particular episode, episode 24, I am going to just go right on in the subject matter. That I wanted to discuss today. So make sure you all please grab your notebooks, grab your pens, pencils, whatever you choose to write with. All right, because I'm going to drop a few nuggets from this book that I just finished reading. I feel so empowered. I feel so inspired. Oh my goodness, y'all. And the name of this book right here is called Awakening, Awakening the Natural Genius of Black Children. And this one is the third edition. And this was written by our beloved brother, who has passed on now, but he has left a beautiful legacy, Dr. Amos N. Wilson. And he is the author of The Developmental Psychology of the Black Child and Blueprint for Black Power. And with this book here, y'all, I was just so, I mean, this brother, it just shows when you all, number one, let me say this about the book. The book is not a long book at all to read, okay? The book literally is a total, and this is including the appendix. Uh, this is a total of, let me see the pages. I have it right here. 130. <laughs> um, Yep, 130 pages, you guys, okay? 130 pages. Well, actually, we'll say 131 because he has Appendix C, which has the recommended reading list as well, okay? And with this book right here, I mean, first of all, the title right there alone, Awakening the Natural Genius of Black Children. And that right there just shows you how his thinking was when it it came to black people. And with this particular book, he focused on black children. But of course, in the book, you can't talk about children without talking about the parents. And that's the key that I loved uh, reading about in this book. Because the thing that the recurring theme of this book was support, love, Uh, Safety, um, spending time with your children, these were recurring themes that was all throughout this book. And I'm glad that he took that approach when he wrote this book and talking about how we can awaken that natural genius inside of our black children Because you think about it, a lot of times, just like, for example, even, even of course, with my podcast, right? Real Reading Talk. And the whole concept of it was was built around the fact that we know that that whole aspect of low levels of literacy in our community. That aspect of, in our community, we have high amounts of illiteracy, We have people who are walking around and, as we call it, being functionally illiterate. So they they barely can read over a third and fourth grade level. But again, just like how I talk about in the introduction of my podcast, all of these things did not start just, you know, because of the fact this is just innate. This is something that's just a part of us as black people. No, it did not. It's a history behind that. Okay, there's a background. There's a backstory. And until we actually address all of the issues in which how we got to this place, we're never gonna solve the problem. And that's why I appreciate our dear brother Dr. Amos Wilson, because that's what he was about. He was about making sure that we address the actual core, the foundation of the issues that we have in our community. And he's always talked about how we can solve these problems ourselves. If only we just believe. If only we just change the mindset. And that's what I appreciate what he did in this book. So what I did was I wanted to uh, just have you all write down Three of the things in which he discussed in this book that was key, but it was very simple in terms of how we can awaken that natural genius that's already inside of our black children. And one of the things that he mentioned was making sure that the parents, before you even have children before you even start thinking about having children, making sure that you try your best to surround yourself with a lot of positivity when it comes to your environment, when it comes to uh, being healthy, the things that you are eating, making sure that you are doing things like reading things that that are uplifting, that are positive, making sure that you as the parents... Mother and father have that mindset before you even start having children. Taking care of your body, taking care of your mental state. So these are things in which he talked about in the book. So make sure that you write that down. And that's very key. And what I thought, and I love that fact is because even though we, you know, a person can say, okay, well, that might be something that, yeah, a lot of people know. But a lot of times I believe that folks try to skip over that part. But I believe that if we continue to drive that message home, if we make sure that we are saying that to our parents, to our young people, that's why we start early. Those of us who have children and say hypothetically, say if you may not have, you know, had a had your child, you know, in a marriage union. Or say you may have had your child young and you're listening to this podcast and you had no support. All right. Say if you're a single mother. But guess what? You can change the mindset. You can begin to break those generational uh, traumas that we pass down in the black community with your children that you have right now. And let them know and, and tell your children how uh brilliant they are, put it in their minds right now, letting them know, yes, you are brilliant, giving them healthy foods as much as possible, making sure that they are understanding that when it comes to them eventually becoming parents, the things that they should be trying to do to prepare before they even become parents. So it's not like these things cannot be done, even though you may, your own self as a parent, you may not have started in that uh, healthy uh, mindset, but you can begin to teach your children that. And so, again, like I said, that's number one, telling the parents to make sure that they have a healthy mindset. Starting that out before you even begin to have children, that's the thing that he was definitely stressing Do these things before you have children. And then number two, the next thing that he talked about was providing, and this is, of course, after you have your children, providing a supportive, safe, healthy environment. I'm going to repeat that. Providing a supportive, safe, healthy environment. And he talked about how having those aspects and he gave a lot of different research throughout the book. He gave a lot of different, you know, uh, researchers that uh, he uh, mentioned in the book, a lot of different studies that talked about children who were uh, researched and who were studied in different preschools and how those children who came from environments where it was safe, where it was supportive. Those environments were the, was where the children were able to thrive educationally, linguistically, their whole mindset. They were able to, and he even talked about the fact of how these children later on in some studies when they were taking those tests and how they were able to succeed in those tests and how their IQ scores were a lot higher. Now, again, I'm not, you know, this It's not about the fact for me. Uh, In terms of and I'm quite sure, you know, and even just listening to Dr. Amos Wilson, it wasn't about the fact of, okay, yeah, we want to make sure the IQ scores are great and there's their test scores. No. And when you read the books by Dr. Amos Wilson and when you go to listen to his lectures, he definitely is not that was not that kind of brother. All right. He understood that whole aspect of, you know, the standardized tests and how, you know, a lot of those tests we already know um, are Racist, you know, from in you know in their inception, all right, from the beginning, okay. And so we already know that. So, but what he was saying is that if you want to go by that standard, and then when you look at, just like if you're looking at anything, if somebody sees success in something, you want to see, well, how, what things did they do to become successful, right? And so, if a person is going to say, well, success is achieved if I'm able to have a high IQ, or if I'm able to pass all of these tests, then he looked at what researchers were talking about in terms of, okay, so these are the different aspects that got to success. Supportive home environment, safe home environment. And notice, again, like I said, it starts at home. And that's the thing that I appreciate about this book. He was talking about things at home. And even when he, when I, which, when I'll go into the, um, the next one, um, as a matter of fact, I would just go ahead and go right now. Number three, simple as this. He talked about talking to the child and reading to the child and add to that list, y'all, how you don't worry about trying to find all these expensive toys and paying for expensive educational programs for your child either. And he talked about that in the book. How the parents of these children who tend to be successful in terms of not just even educationally, but just being centered adults who have the aspect of hope and who are thriving. He talked about how they come from homes in which you had parents who were supportive Parents who were engaging, they read to their children, they talked to their children, they listened to their children as well. All of this in this big old gumbo, (laughs) okay, if you will, when it comes to awakening that natural genius in that black child, all of these things have to take place in order for our children to see the genius inside of them. And I thought, and i and I was just reading, and I'm like, even though he gives you know, like I said a lot of the research and studies and all of that, but as you're listening, I know you all are thinking like, really, that's it, literally, and he gave other things, but those were just like three key things because I believe that I like to give things either in threes or in fives because I think that uh five number one is my <laughs> my favorite number, and also two. Um, I think a lot of times people tend to remember lists that are shorter. Okay. So I usually, if I'm going to give a list, it's either going to be a list of three or five. And then I may give a bonus or something uh, sometimes as well. But I thought that those aspects, again, like I said, these were crucial because number one, these were recurring themes throughout the book. And I thought, I said, wow, I'm like, as, as, you know, down to uh, earth as those uh, different uh, things that we can apply. They're so simple, but yet they're so crucial. And then when you think about it, a lot of times in the Black community, these are things, and again, this is real reading talk, these are things in which we miss those opportunities in a lot of our homes, okay? Okay. You know, let's take, for example, uh, reading to the children and talking to the children. How many times, and just keep it real with yourself, how many times can you think about the last time that you've read to your child before they went to bed? Or the last time that you engaged in a, a, a conversation with your child in which you were listening to what they had to say about things? And then you were talking and and you guys are just, you know, having a great dialogue. You got to ask yourself, when's the last time you were able to have that? And in a lot of homes, it's not because the parents don't want to. It's because of how the society has been set up. And in particular, when it comes to black people. Because we know a lot of black folks, they tend to have jobs in which they're gone majority of the day. And as we know, that's why we have this school system, which really, for real, for real, the school system in a big way is like a glorified babysitter. Let's keep it 100. Keep it real. All right. You know, your child is in this classroom. A lot of times with a teacher that can't stand them. Okay, and then don't let your child be on the darker uh, side and starting to get bigger. And y'all parents know what I'm talking about, especially my parents of my boys, when your boys start getting a little bigger and they start hitting that fifth grade mark and they start growing and sixth grade voices start getting a little more bass. And then they got that lily white teacher, you know, in the front of the room and she's like always nervous and intimidated by him. And he can feel it because, yes, our children can see and feel the vibes that you've given off. So if you are giving off that vibe of you ain't really trying to feel them, you don't want to be bothered, they can tell. And so these are things in which our babies have been exposed to. And so, again, like I said, when it comes to the parents not being able to have those types of conversations with our children because we're constantly working. or um, And then when we do get our children, when it's a lot of times it's 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening, then you get home, you already know in a couple of hours they got to get ready for bed. And then, to top it off, they got boatloads of doggone homework in, they, in their backpacks. They got to read 50,000 pages, write down a whole bunch of words, whole bunch of math problems. They falling asleep. You mad because they falling asleep because they didn't complete their homework. And then they get to school. They turn in homework that's not, that's not completed. Turning into the teacher, next thing you know, this happens for about a week or two. Then Miss Becky is like, um, Shaquita, I'm sorry, but uh, Jamal, he did not turn in all of his homework. A lot of his homework is incomplete. You know the story, you know the spiel, y'all know what it sounds like. And so, Again, like I said, when I was reading this book, I was just like, wow, man. I said, again, it's just a reminder of how as black folks, number one, we got to really, really, really seize this opportunity, seize the moment, especially during this pan plan, whatever demic you want to call it. We got to seize the moment. When we have an opportunity to have our children at home with us, please make sure that you are interacting with your children, talking to your children, reading to your children. And one thing, let me add this too. This is what uh, I put. I circled this and I put that part. This is something right here as black parents, we have to make sure that we're not doing. All right. He said, communicate with the child in a manner appropriate to his developmental level and permit him or her to express feelings, desires, and needs without... Fear of abusive responses. And I put under there that part. And that part right there, that definitely hit home for me. And I think about, um, you know, just experiencing, you know, when you're growing up, and especially in the black community, you know, a lot of times we have had the notion of a child must stay in a child's place. And if a, an adult makes a decision or if adult says this, then that's just what it is. I remember being told, you ain't got no opinion, okay? And again, like I said, when I give examples of how I grew up, I don't give these examples to try to knock my parents and try to make it seem as though, oh my goodness, man, they were just these horrible people. I believe truly that black people, we are uh, victims again of being in a system that was meant to traumatize us. And we are dealing with trauma on a daily basis. And as the saying goes, hurt people hurt people. And the way you parent is the way you were parented. And so when you have parents who may say things like, do as I say, not as I do, or you ain't got no opinion. Or what? What did I say? I told you to eat that. And that's what it is. And if you don't, I'm gonna tear you up. I'm gonna bust you upside the head. All of these things. I remember hearing these things. I remember saying these things, especially to my oldest child, my oldest couple of children. Thinking that, well, you go off on your kid. You say, you know, that's what you do. You building in them toughness. Right. You going off, you letting them know you mean business, all of this stuff. And also to the whole notion of, well, I said I have my opinion and I said this and and it goes this way and that's it is what it is. I can't listen to what you have to say and what you have to add to the conversation. And don't misconstrue it with, of course, if your child, you tell your child, you, of course, you have to have boundaries, right? So if you tell your child to clean up your room, or excuse me, clean up his or her room, yes, clean up your room. You're setting the boundary, you're setting, and you're setting those tones, you should be, because of the fact you are demonstrating that by what? You're making sure your house is clean, you're making sure you're doing these things, they're seeing that. So quite naturally, it's going to be a lot easier for them to see and understand that, okay, mommy means business. Daddy means business. They want me to clean up my room. But say hypothetically, if you have an issue where, for example, say if you try to uh, introduce your child to, you wanted them to try a new vegetable, asparagus, and say you're like, okay, you know what? I wanted asparagus is for dinner, asparagus, uh, rice, and baked chicken. And say they get that asparagus and it's like, uh, they're not feeling it. And they're, they're looking at it like, they're like, oh, my God. Don't go off on them and, and start, if you don't eat that asparagus, you know, you're going to be sitting at the table forever. You're going to be on punishment. And it's like, that's not going to get them to eat the asparagus, okay? Either one or two things are going to happen. Either they're going to eat it. And gag on it and probably get sick afterwards, which is really going to be defeating the purpose because now they're going to really have a negative attitude towards asparagus. Or they may try to be, you. May, they may be that kid. You know how you have that child who's that stubborn one and they'll wait you out <laughs> and they sit there at the table like, okay, mm-hmm, or whatever. And then you might got to wind up resorting to you want to go off on them and, and, and hit them and punish them and all of that. But a way to, to remedy that, you could just simply say, I would like for you to try it. Keisha, just try this asparagus. If you don't like it, you still have to eat vegetables. I'll give you another green vegetable in its place. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. You don't have to feel like that your child won. Oh my goodness, you're the parent. You're the one who's supposed to be in charge and control. You are showing you are are in control. Because you are, again, you're showing that child that it's okay, just like Brother uh, Amos Wilson said in the book. It's okay for your child to express feelings, desires, and needs without fear of abusive responses. They should not feel like, oh, my God, just because you absolutely love asparagus or you absolutely love okra. <laughs> I'm laughing because I still can't stand okra. <laughs> and I was, taught, and I was definitely told I better eat that okra, and I still can't stand it. But anyway, <laughs> this in the home, y'all. But the thing is, is that what you are letting that child know is that it's okay for you to have your own opinion about something, especially something about a vegetable choice. You're not letting your child off the hook by saying, okay, no, you ain't got to never eat no green vegetables ever in your life. No, you're not saying that to your child. You're just simply saying, hey, look, I wanted to expose you to another vegetable. Okay. We eat a lot of, uh, you know, green beans a lot or broccoli. So I wanted to expose you to something different. And right there is at least it's giving them the opportunity to feel like, okay, I have a I have some control over my opinions. I don't feel I don't have to feel like that I have to be subjected to all of the desires um, and the different things that my parents like. I don't have to feel like I have to like every single thing that they like. And that's building a healthy whole child, believe it or not. Now they don't have to feel like they are many use. They're not a mini mommy or a mini daddy. They are—they're an extension of you, but they're not a little version of you, if you will. And so, again, like I said, you know, this book right here, as simple as these tips that I gave you all, and I'm gonna do a quick recap. The first one was, you know, again, the mindset uh, of the parent, making sure that parent before you even have children. Making sure that you yourself are taking care of yourself mentally. Get that healing that you need. All right? Making sure that you're putting healthy things in your body. Because remember, especially, you know, for, you know, especially for that mother you carrying that baby, all of those things are going inside that child. So if you got a lot of bitterness and trauma that you have not dealt with, you know, those are things you want to take care of before you start trying to have children. All right. And we wonder why, you know, a lot of times people want to say, "Oh, OK, well, I, this child, you know, they tripping and all of that. You know, a lot of it we got to look at. Well, why is the child tripping? You know, we can't just say that child is not is not doing these things that they should be doing or doing or making these bad choices just on their own. Remember, they came from somewhere. They learned it from somewhere. They got that energy from somewhere. Number two, again. In the book, supportive home environment, safe home environment, warm home environment, having those things already for your children. And then number three, talking to your child, reading to your child. All of these things is all related to reading and education. Because again, we want to build in our children the aspect of when they are reading, when they are learning, they want to feel that they are doing these things with purpose, not that they are learning to read so that it's linked to some tests. OK, so we definitely don't want them to have that. That's why. And and as we see, that methodology ain't working anyway. I mean, real talk. Is that is that really working? If it was working, then we wouldn't be dealing with the issues that we're dealing with now uh, When when it comes to um, the low, the levels of literacy that we're dealing with, low levels of literacy that we're dealing with. All right. So it goes, you know, deeper than us just keep trying to tell that child, Oh yes. You know what I'm saying? You read and you study and you're going to do good on this test and it's going No, 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 no. That ain't working. All right. And as the old saying goes, okay. If you know, uh, insanity, um, What is it? Uh, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. All right? So as we see, just like if you see in your own life, you keep doing something over and over again and you see it's not working, I'm quite sure you're going to say, you know what? I'm about to try this new new way. (laughs) Heck, I'm going to give it a shot. Because this old way I've been doing about 50 times, it ain't happening. All right, y'all. I'm going to stop there. I... Uh, believe you all got the point. And whatever you didn't get, I hope that you listen to this podcast again so that hopefully you can get the point the second or third time around. And now I'm going to leave you all with a quote from this book as well. All right. Where's my quote at? Where's my quote? Uh, I had it. I had it. See, that's why I'm supposed to be prepared. See, how how come I'm not prepared, y'all? I'm prepared. It's just that I lost the page. (laughs) Um, I wanted to give this quote by, I thought it was so, um, well, I'll say this quote right here because it has different quotes. This one says, a day in school will profit you for its work endures like the mountains. All right. And this is a quote that says ancient Kemet. All right. Ancient Kemet. All right. So, uh, again, a day in school will profit you for its work endures like the mountains. And again, school not please, you know, school starts at home. All right. So when you change that mindset and understand that I'm not talking about that, that school building that's in your neighborhood. I'm talking about it's your house. Change that mindset. Our education starts at home. You are your child's first teacher, mama and daddy. Remember that. Believe that. Don't let these people continue to fool you and try to make you feel like, oh my God, I'm the kid's substitute teacher. I'm, no, you're not. I read it in an article and they were talking about the home, you know, this whole aspect of virtual learning and they got a picture of the black man looking all like he just defeated. I'm sitting up here like, really? Stop with the propaganda. Stop it. This is ridiculous. Really? We know how to teach our babies. Let's act like we do. All right, y'all. You have been listening to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your gracious host, Miss Sasha. And please remember to keep reading for at least 30 minutes a day, y'all. Thank you for listening. Please share. Peace.